Uh, we're in James chapter 3, and he's talking today about our speech and our talk. And so let's uh, read this uh, together. James, um, no, I'll read it, and uh, you follow along is kind of what's going to happen. We won't read it together, but uh, you'll read along with me, thus we'll be together. All right? James chapter 3. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue... We praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can fig trees bear olives and grape vines bear frig figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Here is a, uh, a fun fact for you as we uh, begin uh, working our way through this passage, that, this, uh, that the average person, okay, I'm not talking about the person who uh, is very, very talkative or the person who is incredibly shy, but just the average person, the amount of words they speak are equivalent to one-fifth of their life. One-fifth of our life, we are talking. We are communicating. That means today, by the end of the day, you will have put uh, a book of 50 pages together of everything that you said today. By the end of the year, if you had a book composed of 200 pages, you would have 132 books of just the things that you have communicated and that you have said. That's a lot of talking. That's a lot of texting. That's a lot of communicating. And so if we are spending one-fifth of our lives engaged in this action of talking, it shouldn't surprise us then that James addresses it as it comes to our Christian walk in our Christian lives. Because the concern for James has been putting our faith into action and saying that our, our faith that we claim to have within us must be, be evidenced in the action that we live out. And so if we are talking for one-fifth of our lives, it makes sense then that this becomes a priority in an area of concern in our Christian walk. And so this morning as we listen to James, I believe that the point that James is making in this passage is that, that we need to look at our, at our talk because our talk is, reveals the depth and faith of our walk. 
right? Our talk reveals the truth of our walk. And James starts out here in chapter 3, and I believe as he begins in chapter 3, verses uh, 3 and 4, James is pointing to us that our talk, first of all, reveals the aim of our walk. All right? Our talk reveals the aim of our walk. He brings up two little items, doesn't he, there at the beginning? He talks about a bit that goes in a horse's mouth. He talks about the rudder that's on a ship. And his point is that both of those things, they're very, very tiny, but they can steer great things. I think usually every summer, but this summer, of course, because everything has changed, we go down to the Coast Guard Festival, and often we will be there and watch when the Coast Guard boats come into the channel. That's an amazing thing, because they bring in these giant ice cutter boats, these 300 or more feet boats, ships, out there in Lake Michigan, you see them, and then somehow you're like, what, they're going to come into the channel? And then all of a sudden, they make this right-hand turn, and here they come right into the channel. How is that ginormous ship able to be turned into that channel? It's that little rudder in the back, isn't it? There's the captain up front who, I imagine, is like, rudder, right, 30 degrees, and then somebody turns it, and rudder, rudder, left, 10 degrees, and they're just moving that rudder, and that whole ship gets in, and it's steered where it needs to go. And James is saying to us, pay attention, because your tongue, your talk, has great power to aim and to turn conversation and to turn direction of, of, of people around you, of conversations around you, of problems around you, of society around you. He has, it, your, your, your talk has great opportunity to change the direction. And as a Christ follower, the aim and the direction that you should be turning towards is Jesus Christ, right? It is the kingdom of God. Because that's what we say when we give our life to Jesus. I'm now following you. I'm now part of your priorities. I'm now part of what, what you care deeply about. I want to be part of the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of righteousness. And I want to be part of that kingdom. And so with my mouth, my talk should reflect that that is the aim. That's, that's where I'm heading. And so if your talk, you find that your talk is, is filled with gossip, it's filled with slander, it's filled with coarse joking, it's filled with the things of the world, then James is saying, you really need to question things. If what you're posting on Facebook and what you're tweeting out there and, and, and what you're saying to the people around you is not aiming them towards the kingdom of God, aiming them towards God's purposes, towards the, the shalom of the kingdom, my, then you need to question whether that faith is, is alive in you. Maybe that faith is really dead in you because what we see, the aim of your life, is not towards God, but it's really towards the things of this world. And so the first question then that we need to ask ourselves is where is the aim of our talk heading? Does the aim of your talk, what does that show about your walk? As James moves on through this chapter, he then begins to talk a little bit more about the tongue. And I don't know if you heard in this, but he doesn't have a lot of great things to say about the tongue. Because first he says the tongue 
is like a small spark that can set a great forest fire. All right, we're familiar with those here in the United States. We see them raging out of control in California and in other places, just consuming the land. We get an idea what that is like. In Palestine, they don't have great forests like that, so I think this is a, a questionable translation. More, uh, the word is, is wood in Greek, and it maybe should refer to the shrub brush that's in Palestine. But nonetheless, that shrub brush can, in the arid conditions can take off and burn just like that. And nothing was more scary in this day than a fire because they had no resources to put it out because the resource would be water, which they didn't have. <coughs> James says it's a great spark. It can start a fire. And then notice what he says in verse 6. He gets in here. He says, yeah, the tongue is like a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets it, the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is put on fire by hell. That, that's not a very positive phrase. And to be honest, scholars have a, a hard time translating that sentence because in the original Greek, it's, it's five nouns with one indicative verb. And so they've got to figure out the context and the meaning and how to, how to place these together. And so you'll find a lot of variants. So in my great exegetical wisdom that you guys are blessed to have, what I want to say is whatever way you, you parse this and slice this and put these words together, the tongue comes out is evil. There's no way you can put any of these words together and walk away without the fact that James is saying the tongue is evil. We have a great forest fire. He's saying it's evil. In fact, itself is set on fire by hell. That's not very good. And then you notice down in verse uh, 8, he says it is a restless evil. Not only uh, just evil, it's restless. It never stops moving. It's always going. It's always communicating. It's always talking. It's a restless evil. In fact, it's full of deadly poison. So if you take the spark, the fire of hell, and a deadly poison, James' analysis of our tongue is not all that good, is it? He's, he's saying it, it, it's bad. But I get that because that's how we are in our natural state, right? When we are born into this world, we are born as sinful people. We are born into the evil of the world. We are born with a propensity to be full of ourself, to be full of our own wants, to be full of all what the world wants and what the world desires, and it's evil. And it tears down, and it breaks, and we can look across the landscape of our country and we can see evil running through in what evil does. And James is saying when we're born in the world, that is our tongue. And so if, if you are in a place uh, that, that you, in, in your tongue is uh, all that evil is going out and, he, and then he says uh, notice what he says in verse 7 he says you have this evil tongue and in verse 7 he says and uh, verse, sorry verse 8 no human being can tame the tongue well that's a problem isn't it we got this evil thing this forest fire this, this, this poison this, this restless fire of hell itself and, and we can't tame it. But he didn't say it can't be tamed. He says no human can tame it. Did you get that? No human can tame it. One of the um, uh, sad, maybe it's sad, although we're enjoying it, uh, realities of life that Amy and I have, now is that we tend to watch a lot of uh, animal shows. We like watching animal shows. So we'll watch uh, the zoo, 
Uh, it's on Animal Planet. It's about the Bronx Zoo. Uh, so we'll watch the zoo about the animals. And then, of course, we'll watch the zoo San Diego as well. So we're getting lots of animal. And, well, then there's the secret life of the zoo, which is also about the zoo in, in England. So we'll, we'll watch that too. And so we're watching all the... Well, there's also... We like, we like to watch Saved by the Barn, which is about a rescue barn. And, and so we'll watch all these shows about... about uh, and, well, Dr. Jeff, Rocky Mountain Vet. We like watching that show too. So we got a problem. We watch a lot of shows about animals. But in the context of doing this, I'm very amazed because their handlers and their trainers are so incredible. Whether it is a, 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 a tiger, a, a grizzly bear, a, a hippo, one of these wild animals, they're all able to be tamed. They're all able to be tamed. And did you hear that in James' letter? He says, think about that. We have the ability as humans to tame those wild animals. I mean, think of the most ferocious beast that you can, whether it's a lion or a tiger, and guess what? We've been able to tame it. But no human can tame the tongue. We can't do it. But only God can. God can tame the tongue. Because that's what God does. Because our whole being, our whole uh, who we are, we're born evil, we're born sinful, we're born restless evil, we're born as poison in our condition. But when we give our life to Jesus Christ, what occurs to us? The old is gone and the new has come. That's what God does in us. He makes all things brand new. In fact, we're told in, in, in Galatians that we have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And what does that cover? That covers all of me, does it not? It's all of me that is, that is made new. It's not just parts of me that are made new. It's all of me that is made new, and that includes my mouth. It's not like I've been crucified with Christ, but my mouth didn't. My mouth was exempt from this. Everything was made new except for my mouth. We get in Galatians where we're told that we have been baptized in death with Jesus Christ and then raised to new life. What does that include? That includes all of us. It's not like we were baptized into death except we kept our mouth above the water, right? I was baptized, but this little part of me is still above the water. This is not made new. No, all of us, all of us is raised to life and made new. And so God can tame our tongue. And so what James is saying here is, is that your talk reveals the, 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 the power of your walk. Your talk reveals the power of your walk. Because if your talk is full of evil, if it's full of gossip, if it's full of slander, if it's full of sexual indos, if it's full of putting other people down, if it's full of being antagonistic, if it's full of those kinds of things, then the power of your life really demonstrates that you are still under the power of the world. But when you're under the power of God, everything changes. And you become filled with the fruit of the Spirit. You become filled with the presence of God. And so our language, as the fruit says, is kindness, gentleness, loving. Those are all beautiful qualities. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, when you are in Jesus Christ, your talk should be one that's, that's, um, 
that's filled with, with grace and seasoned with salt. Isn't that beautiful? He says that's who you are as a new believer in Jesus Christ. What comes out of your mouth is filled with the grace of God. It's like a breath of the Spirit sweeping over the land with the goodness of God, with the shalom, with the peace of God. And that's what should be coming out of your mouth. And you should season this world with salt, that they get the flavor of God whenever you talk. And you're preserving the kingdom of God and the goodness of God by everything you say, because that's who you are. You are the ambassadors of God. And so that's who you are. That's what the power of God does. Yes, you can't tame the tongue, but God can. And when it's tamed, this is what will be coming out of your mouth because you are under the power of God. And so if you are struggling with what is coming out of your mouth, James says, I really want to challenge you. It could be your faith is dead. It could be your faith is dead because you're living over here. Because when you're living by the power of God, this is what your faith will look like. And so does your talk reflect who's behind the power of your walk. And then as James moves on, he starts talking about an idea uh, that is unique to James. Uh, We'll see it, we we heard him talk about it in chapter 1, we'll see it come up again in chapter 4, and that idea is this, it's of double-mindedness. That's a word that's unique to James. The Greek word is despukos. Despukos. And it's like he made it up. That's what scholars think. He made it up. Uh, it means putting, it means that you're, you're doing things with two minds or, or, or two souls. And James is just saying, that, that can't be. Uh, James is saying uh, this double-mindedness is that you're, you're, you're trying to live in two places. You've got a foot uh, both here in this world uh, and you got a foot in the kingdom of God, and you're trying to live in both places at the same time. And he says, Bupkis, you can't do that. There's, there's no way you can, you can live in both, both places. And James comes and he says, well, uh, how, about, how about this? Think about, um, think about salt water, right? Think about water. You go to get water, it's fresh water or it's salt water. It, it can't be the both at the same time. It can't be fresh water and salt water at the same time. It's got to come from one source or the other. It can't, you can't have both. And then he turns, uh, he turns our attention to, uh, to, the, to the trees and to the plants. And, and he says, look at, look at the, uh, the fig tree. You don't go to a fig tree and expect to get olives. And you don't go over you know, to the uh, grapevine and expect to get figs. You don't, you don't do that. It's one kind of tree or the other. It can't be both at the same time. And so how is it possible that we think we can be living in both places at the same time? He says, it's impossible. You, 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 you come and you bless God. Here you are on Sunday morning, you're blessing God and you're praising God's name. And then you walk out the door and then you start cursing and putting down other people who are made in the very image of God. That's, that's, that's nonsense. You either love God and love others or you don't love because uh, they're created in the very image of God. So if you love God, you love others. And, and in this day, when they cursed somebody, it was, God, will you send that person to hell? That was the curse. <coughs> and James is saying, you can't do that. That's double-mindedness. You can't live that way. Because you see, our, our, uh, our talk will show who is the source 
of our walk. Our talk will show who is the source of our walk. Because if we're attached to a salty spring, salty words will come out. If we're attached to a fresh spring, fresh words will come out. If we're a grapevine, grapes will come out. He's saying the same way, if you're source, if you are planted, and you are drawing your life, and you're drawing your support from God, then what will come out of your mouth will be godly things. In fact, Jesus said that to people. He said, you've got to watch what comes out of your mouth because out of, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, said Jesus. And you look at people and say, I can tell what's in your heart because I just listened to you speaking. When we were in California, one of the places that we went on a trip was a place called uh, Mount Lawson. Lawson Volcanic Park is actually what it was. We took my parents there, although my dad wasn't able to make the journey. He wasn't feeling well, so we left him in a car for like three hours. Not very nice, but we did. And we went with my, my mom, hiked with us, and Becca had to be about five. Jordan had to be about two. I actually carried Jordan for the entire hike. If you see him now, you know that would be an impossibility. But then I was able to carry him. And uh, we hiked uh, all this way to a, it was called, a place that was called Bumpus Hell, is where it was. Because it, it was a volcanic park, and so the steam vents from underneath would pour out all the, would pour out all the, 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 the steam, really, because they're a steam vent, right? So it would pour out the steam. But along with the steam came the smell. It was the smell of, like, rotten eggs, uh, in, in the place. And so we're hiking there thinking, this will be cool. We're going to go see, the, I'm telling my kids, hey, we're going to go see this volcanic part. We're going to go see the, the stuff bubbling up and we're going to hike through. It'll be really awesome. But then as soon as we got near it, even though it was bubbling up, it stunk so bad. I mean, it was gut-wrenching smell. And, and so Becca, who's always been a very delicate ecosystem and very, uh, uh, her conditions have to be just right for her. She immediately was like, no, I don't like this, Daddy. This stinks. Let's turn. And we're like, no, we're going we're gonna to see this because I was a loving dad. And said, no, we're going to go see this. Come on. And, but what we did is we gave her some chapstick. And we said, hold this by your nose. And so the whole rest of the hike, she held this chapstick right by her nose. And we're like, just breathe the chapstick. And so she's breathing in like, you know, cherry, you know, the whole time while she's holding on to that chapstick because everything else just, it was just, it was, just, it was pretty nasty. Uh, the smell. It was cool to see, but nasty to smell. But my point is this. Why was it so nasty to smell? Because that's what was under the surface, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, that was all bubbling up. That sulfur, that rotten stuff was just bubbling up, coming out of the vent holes. Well, friends, your mouth is like a vent hole. Your mouth is like a vent hole. And what's going on inside you comes out of your mouth. And if the goodness of God is planted inside you and the character of Christ is growing inside of you, then what comes out of your mouth will be the character of Jesus Christ, if that's where you're planted. But if you're planted in the world, then when you open up that vent hole, the world is going to come out. And some of us try to keep our feet in both worlds. Oh, I'm a good Christian. But what's coming out of our mouth is the world. And so James would say, if that's what's coming out of your mouth, then that's where your heart is planted. Because out of the overflow of your mouth, your heart speaks. And so some of us this morning need to pay attention to this and consider, is the source of my walk reflected in my talk? What is your source? What is the power of your life? 
What is the aim? What is reflected in your talk? I think we really need to listen to James on this account because this is serious because if there is a, a mouth problem, there also is a heart problem. And Jesus told us in, in Matthew, he says this in Matthew, let me find it here for us, Matthew 12, verse 36. This is what Jesus says about, he says, but I tell you that everyone, okay, that pretty much is inclusive of everybody here, I will tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment. Whoa, wait a minute, where are we now? All of us are at judgment, standing before Jesus, he says, these are red letters, for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Have you really thought about that? Because we are people who like to say, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a rapist. I'm not a gossip. I have my sexuality under control. We like to point a lot of fingers to a lot of places. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, you know how you're going to be judged? By what's coming out of your mouth. Why? Because your mouth tells me what's going on in your heart. And so people of God, we need to listen to James this morning. We need to listen, and we need to reflect, and we need to consider. And if you're finding that your aim is off, if you are here this morning, you're going, wow, my mouth shows that I am not under the power of God. If your mouth is showing that you are not drawing your life from the source of God, but from some other place, today is the day that you need to make that change. And you need to turn. And you need to be baptized fully in the life of Jesus Christ. You need to put all of that to death and be raised to new life so that your mouth, your mouth will be full of grace and seasoned with salt. What is your talk? Reveal about your walk. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for these words of, of James. They are tough words, God, because I... I know that there are many things in my life uh, that I say that don't reflect you. And for those things, uh, we ask your forgiveness. And God, this morning, we want to ask that you would fill us completely with your spirit and that you would control every part of us, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and our mouths as well, God, so that we can reflect you in this world. For that person who may be a little unsettled this morning, a little uncomfortable and maybe even questioning am I saved? Do I have faith? Because my talk certainly doesn't show it. God, I ask that this would be the day that you would continue to draw them to yourself and that in this very time they would use this encounter with James not just to walk away the same but they would run to your open arms and they would receive the new life that can change them from the inside out. And so God, would you change them in this day? We thank you for your word that you do not leave us alone wondering, but you tell us how to live and what it means to live for you in your kingdom. And may it be said of Orchard Hill that those people on that hill, what comes out of their mouth is just grace and sweetness. The very words of God, may that be said of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.